This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio. I am Dean Holland, aided in, I'm aiding and abetting, I suppose, the uh, <laughs> glorious uh, goddess of the garden, Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning, Charlie? Very well. How are you? I am excellent. Look, I know you have a number of announcements to make that a ton of things are coming down the pipeline. So I'm going to give the numbers out first and uh, we'll get you to start doing your calls. Uh, So anywhere in Toronto is 416-360-0740. Or if you are anywhere else in the province of Ontario, it is a toll-free call, 1-866-740-740. Four seven four zero, and of course, uh, we would love you to let uh, Carlos know that you are the first time caller, and we will give you your garden wings. Yeah, and uh, and of course, we want you to call often. We want you to call early. Get those calls in early, and one question per call, please. So I don't have to, you know, like put the I don't have to put the sirens on and pull you over and say, "Okay, enough is enough." <laughs> okay, there you go. Enough is enough of me. What do you got there, Charlie? What announcements? Uh, Well, as you point out, things are really starting to happen. It's September. The clubs are back in action. So mark these dates on your calendar. This is in no proper order, I don't believe. (laughs) The Agent Court Garden Club meeting this Monday, September 12th, 7.30 p.m. Everyone, of course, is welcome. Jim Waddington will be speaking in the footsteps of the Group of Seven. They meet at 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd Avenue in Toronto. Uh, The Hamilton Dahlia Show, or Dahlia Show, I guess Dahlia is probably the right way to say that, uh, is on today and tomorrow. Now, that is one beautiful show. If you're anywhere near Burlington, get down to the Royal Botanical Gardens, 680 Plains Road West. Today, it's open to the public starting at 1. Tomorrow, it's open to the public starting at 10. But by 3 o'clock, it's all over because they sell all the blooms at the end of the show as a fundraiser. And we are talking, you know, dinner plate sized and bigger dahlias. So beautiful colors, beautiful sizes, just awesome. Now, quick question about those dahlias. Uh, Are they something that uh, if we take home, are they something Mm -hmm. we can plant in our garden? No, these are just, um, as far as I know, these are all just cut flowers that are part of the show. Uh, But you will be able to get names. And, of course, once you know the name of your favorite dahlia, you can get a hold of the tuber next spring. Because this uh, dahlias, of course, are a tender plant. We don't leave them outside in the winter. We bring them in. Basically, you just put them into a, um, what I've done in the past is just kind of like a, a, a like a Rubbermaid or Tupperware kind of a container, depending how big you need it. Peat moss, a little bit of moisture, bury those tubers for the winter so that they're dark. 
and preferably cool and they'll stay dormant for the winter and then we pull them out pot them up mm, april may get them outside once we're frost free uh gotcha. nice to start them in the spring inside though because you'll get them flowering sooner outside if you can start them uh inside be well it's still cold um as well as the hamilton dahlia show the canadian chrysanthemum and dahlia show is on next Saturday, September 17th. It's from 2 to 4 p.m. And that's happening at the Forest Brook Community Center, or, or sorry, Community Church at 60-60 Kearney Drive in Ajax. And one more, the Innisfield Garden Club. They are hosting a flower and garden show at plus tea and that again is next saturday so it's pretty cool with all these shows because what happens is the members grow stuff all season and then they come they have specific categories in which they compete and it's cutthroat like trust me dean this is you think flowers are all about pretty but these people are out to win like wow. they they'll do anything to get those little ribbons I, it's like <laughs> it's like being in you know grade 1 where you've got to win that race so and it's it's pretty fun like it it, it it's uh, it's quite competitive, and people will be bringing in and competing with flowers and probably vegetables. Every every show is a little bit different, but this is kind of sweet. It's from 12 noon next Saturday to 1.30 at the Churchill Community Center, which is 6322 Young Street. There is a $7 admission, but of course, you drink tea, you enjoy the show, and you can also meet fellow gardeners and, you know, hobby gardeners and learn all kinds of great stuff. Fabulous. Sounds like tons of fun. Now, we have to take a short break. Uh, but again, those numbers, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We will be right back with much more right here on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. We are back with much more on The Garden Show. Uh, uh, Going to give those numbers about, out one more time. 416-360-0740 or one 740 which is a toll-free call. A quick, uh, uh, just a little comment or question. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I might have mentioned I bought a foxglove in a pot, and I put it in the ground. And I cannot get over, I don't know, it just looks so happy already. It just has, like, <laughs> taken to the the spot we put it in. Really, it looks really great. Nice. So, well, did you give, it's in a little bit of shade, a little bit of sun, kind of a dappled it, area? Yeah, a little bit of a dappled area. And probably more sun, to be quite honest. Huh. But And we gave it a lot of water. It just seems to be really happy. So, I don't know, is it a really good time of year to be putting those things in? Uh, the fall, autumn is the best time to plant. I mean, I, I think I said this last week, you know, we kind of want to hang up our hats when it comes to gardening by this time, but don't. <laughs> this is the time to plant, transplant, buy stuff on sale. Like I, I picked up some beautiful perennials the other day at one of the local garden centers as well, 20% off. And just, you know, to the, the, the bees are loving them. They're, they're, they're flocking to my uh, yeah. Galardia, which was one of the ones. And I also got something called butterfly weed, which is, uh, again, it's Asclepius. It's a plant that's uh, very, so butterflies love. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, you know what else is beautiful? We have some callers on the line. Let's go to Evelyn in Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Evelyn. Oh, thank you so much for taking my call. 
I'm so sorry. I had difficulty hearing um, the last two um, shows. I I've got Jim Waddington, but I don't know what what he was speaking about. And then uh, the Canadian chrysanthemum. Yeah, that's when I I missed the last two and what Jim Waddington is speaking about. Oh, sorry. Oh, thank you. No worries. Was that just because I you didn't hear me? I guess. You know what? It's probably me. I'm trying to work and listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Jim Waddington actually is speaking show. on In the Footsteps of the Group of Seven. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah. And then the other was, um, they're Dahlia shows, one in Hamilton, one in Ajax, and the Innisfil Flower and Garden Club. Okay. And the one in something, was it Forest Something Church? Yeah, it's um, Forest Brook Community Church in Ajax. So, And remember, if you do miss anything, and this goes for not just for you, obviously, Evelyn, but all our listeners, the show is podcast. So by oh, okay. Wednesday of this coming week, this show will be available to listen to at your convenience. Just go to AM740 Podcasts. The Garden Show, and you can listen, and you can pause, and you can rewind, and you can, you know, listen to it at your pace. So oh, don't worry nice. if you miss something during a show. Oh, thank you. And the Innisfil one is on Young Street. Yes, it is. It's a uh, sixty-three twenty-two Young Street. Okay, thank you so much. And it's okay. called the Innisfil Garden Club. Then, Club. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. Thanks so much for the call, Evelyn. Yeah. And uh, yeah, those podcasts are really handy uh, to go in and and listen to uh, an episode all over again. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes, you know, there's a lot of these are information packed. It's an information packed show. (laughs) It's not we we try to entertain, but we try to, you know, educate at the same time. So never hesitate to go back and re-listen. Indeed. Okay, let's go to Orangeville now. We have Carol on the line. Uh, Welcome to the Garden Show, Carol. What do you got for Charlie? And the garden's starting to go to bed for the fall. And my asparagus bed is now about three inches lower than the lawn. I was wondering if in late fall I can top it up or do I have to sort of dig it up and bring the roots higher and then reset it? As long as it's not a low spot, meaning an area in your yard where the water uh, collects, so that it would end up being a soggy spot. I don't think there's any problem with. I, I don't know if I'd add a whole three inches at once to that garden bed, but for sure, add an inch this fall and then next spring. I mean, you realize, have you ever had white asparagus, or have you ever wondered how how they get white asparagus? And all, all that is is as the asparagus starts to grow in the spring, so the little stems start to poke up through the ground, which of course we are going to harvest eventually, uh, they kick dirt up over top of the stems uh, that are coming up so that they're underground, under the soil, until they're the height to harvest. And of course, when you harvest them and the soil drops away, they're white because they haven't seen the sun. So you can you can really kind of mess around with the levels uh, of your asparagus bed. I wouldn't be overly concerned, except you do not want it to end up being a soggy spot. That's all. Okay, because it is hard to weed when you're up higher, and I keep wanting to tip forward into the bed. Yeah, yeah, good idea. <laughs> Don't do that. Okay. Well, thank you very much. 
<laughs> You're very okay. welcome. Yeah, that's that made me laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> of course, yeah, you're leaning down to weed. You could tip over and fall into the garden. <laughs> I know, head first, right into the garden. And asparagus ferns are a little prickly at this time of year. Yeah, I had no. You know what? I learned something again. I had no idea about white asparagus. Mm-hmm. There you go. Well, very clever. You were just a, a wealth of information. Uh, you know, we are going to take a quick break. have to do that. Uh, but when we come back, we'll, uh, we'd love to take your calls. It can be an indoor gardening question. It can be an outdoor gardening question. Okay. And uh, the numbers are 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. We will be right back with much more right here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed. We are back here on The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland, and Charlie Dobbin, I have uh, a caller on the line from Newmarket, Ontario. We are going to speak to Joan now. Well, welcome to the show. Sorry, Jean. Jean, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you, Dean. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie, you are my inspiration. I <laughs> I think should say this on a, a flower show, but I am not a horticulturalist. But you have inspired me. I want to try to rejuvenate an old apple tree. I don't know what kind. Um, I Now I'm getting just little, small, scrub, grubby apples. And if you can give me a, kind of like a generic idea, it's about 15 feet, 12 feet, 15 and uh, please, I'll cut it down to the ground, but I guess that's not the way to go. <laughs> no. Um, so, and is this, it was on your property when you moved there? Is that one of those yes. sort of, you didn't plant it, it was just yes. there? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Been there forever. It can. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, it's a kind of a tricky question. What I would probably do is I would go to OMAFRA, which is the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs. So OMAFRA. They have some great publications, and one of them is called Fruit Trees in the Home Garden. And it does talk about... You know, right from the beginning, choosing trees, planting trees, locating them, all about apples, harvesting, etc. It also has links that will send you off to perhaps other good locations. I'm just trying to double check what number is this. Usually there's a number. Well, it is called Fruit Trees in the Home Garden. The reason I'm sort of sending you off to the web is because it's hard to really diagnose something like this on on the radio. Fruit trees are everybody's dream of growing and then having the bushel basket full of fresh fruit to serve the family for breakfast, but it isn't that easy. There's there's quite a bit of work uh, between spraying and well, pruning properly and spraying every spring and fall with um just a very organic uh, dormant spray because they're very tasty. you got to remember that when the fruit is sweet and full of sugar, that's going to be a tasty plant. And every insect for miles around wants to get into that particular plant. And they will start uh, doing all kinds of things right from early spring to destroy the crop. So, yeah, there's a whole bunch of aspects to really properly growing fruits. It can be done, but it is a bit of work. So do a See if you, a little bit of research helps, and then if you have any questions, call again. Okay. Thank you. You are my inspiration. Have a great day. <laughs> <both of> you. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Great. Bye. Yeah. Thanks, Jean. 
Uh, Charlie, you've talked about some plants that grow for, you know, 100 years or so. Are, are apple trees or fruit trees, are they something that have more of a shelf life that they only have? A, or can they keep going and keep going if they're pruned properly? Oh, if they're cared for. Oh, no, there's amazing examples here in Ontario of very, very old apples that are still alive. Actually, there's one right at the corner, just um, north of Shepherd, right on Young Street. There used to be an orchard on the west side. And the they condos are all around, and they, they held on to some of the apples as long as they could. So there they were, like 150-year-old trees, so decrepit, so old. So, you know, lightning has struck them. Every insect in the world has gone after them. So I think it is kind of called the apple parquet or something, and there is kind of an ode to the apple there, a big apple statue. But a couple of the trees have survived. Nobody cares for them particularly well. They certainly aren't grown for their fruit, but they're pretty interesting. So, I mean, they don't live... It's not like a, a redwood that's going to live for 800 years, but certainly an apple tree can definitely live well beyond 100. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and it is getting into apple season for sure. They're hearing lots more talk about that. They're all coming down the pipeline. Uh, we have Harriet on the line from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Harriet. Thank you. Hi. I have a – I was given a – little rose plant in a pot for Mother's Day, and the rose has bloomed and have died, but I wondered if I can keep this, if I cut it down or if the roses will rebloom. I live in a condo, so I can't plant it in the garden. It says it can be planted in the garden. Hmm. So I assume it's a mini rose. Was it in a little four-inch pot with little tiny yeah, flowers, small right. plants? It's called a Cordana rose. Oh, nice. If that means nice. anything. So right now, is it a green plant? Is it is green leaves? It has green mm -hmm. leaves, yes. And did you put it out on the balcony, or do you have a balcony? I do have a balcony, but right now it's inside on the, by the window on, okay. the, on the ledge to go out to the balcony. Nice. I brought and it just... in because I wanted to be call you to make sure that I will have <laughs> look after it how did what yeah, i can do you could i'm just double checking um exactly cordana i don't know so of course i was just gonna say what what direction does your condo face are you getting sun what to do. are you getting okay go ahead that's that's it like you know there's actually it has two um what do you call it? Like two stems going up with the leaves, and but the the roses were when I got it, they were just on the one stem. The second stem didn't have any on it. Okay, is there sunshine coming through the window onto the table where the rose is located? Yes. Okay, good. So what you're going to do, uh, you, I would look and see if there's any roots growing out the bottom of the pot to start with. If it's still in the original pot and it was quite a small pot, you may want to take advantage of like right now this weekend, potting it up to one size larger of a pot. So if it's in a four inch, you'd go to a six inch. If it's a six inch, you'd go to an eight inch. If you see roots coming out of the drainage holes in the bottom of the pot. That will be your indicator to replant to a bigger pot with, of course, potting soil. Keep it in a sunny spot in your house all winter. Avoid drafts. No hot air furnace drafts, no cold air window drafts. So it's got to be just a nice, warm, sunny spot. And it's interesting. I mean, you can keep it alive all winter. 
be careful you don't when you do water it and you do water it fairly regularly uh, make sure it doesn't sit in water after you've watered it so thorough watering moisten the soil if there's water in the saucer below after 10 minutes or so pour that out so the the rose is well watered but not sitting in water and then again you'd wait whatever five six ten days before you water again do not worry about fertilizing or anything like that now you're just going to keep it as a green plant it may pop some more flowers for you if it's getting enough sun Uh, otherwise expect lots of flowers and lots of growth next spring and that's when you will start to consistently fertilize it once a month with just a an all-purpose flowering fertilizer okay great thank you very okay. very much good luck. Okay. yeah good luck yeah with that. good luck with that yeah thanks so much for the uh, for the call there uh charlie we got an you got an email from uh bill last week about tomatoes and i i, I was out checking my tomatoes today uh, I've got still some green ones on the vine. Uh, he had great success, maybe about 100 plants this year. Yield has been outstanding, but many of them developed what he's calling yellow shoulders, which renders them almost useless in some cases. What causes this? Is it too much sun? Is it a soil deficiency of some kind? And he said we visited. they visited a Mennonite farm recently in the Harrison area where the tomatoes were outstanding and where the grower claimed it was a calcium deficiency. You want to weigh in on this? I'm not so sure it was a calcium deficiency. Um, the the one uh, sort of physiological uh, aspect that happens to roses uh, is called blossom end rot. And we always say that's a calcium deficiency. The yellow shoulders thing, well, they often go together. So um, yellow shoulder, it is a disorder of the tomato. And of course, it is that idea of the discolored regions under the skin. They show through, they reduce the quality of the fruit so it can be as he said you know from a very mild with some spotting to real hard yellow white areas and um yeah so yellow shoulder is one of the the names for it i'm just double checking so uh why the causes has baffled scientists for the last 30 years um they many people believe there's several factors that come into why yellow shoulders happen, including the environment. So super high temperatures, like over 90 degrees Fahrenheit, you'll end up with yellow shoulders. Nutrition, so insufficient nutrient availability, yellow shoulders. Even the cultivar he's chosen to grow could have um, reason and an impact on why he ends up with these yellow shoulders. So all these factors can be difficult to really figure out. But um, yeah, so it does indicate that, um, and it's actually, this is from, I'm just trying, I think I'm at University of Cornell here. The disorder can be triggered by insufficient potassium, which again goes back to your blossom end rot, excess magnesium, um, you know, la, la, la. So main thing is, water, I find with tomatoes, if you can water them consistently and we don't have a summer that's so hot that, you know, everything's melting, then usually you'll get a pretty good crop with with your tomatoes though temperatures we can't have any impact on but certainly the watering we can and i think that it a lot of these physiological things happen because we sort of forget for a day or two to water and then all of a sudden we go oh no i have to water and then we pour the water on and so the the 
up down inconsistent watering re- really affects the quality of the fruit so uh, I think what I would say Bill is you know don't panic just cut off those shoulders the rest of the tomatoes should be fine um, but you're right the the hard yellow white is often just has no flavor at all and next year really concentrate on proper nutrient availability whether you're in pots or the ground and consistent water Fabulous. Okay, uh, patiently waiting on the line has been Karen from Burlington. Welcome to the Garden Show, Karen. No, I'm from Bolton. Bolton? Oh, oh Bolton. well, they've got Burlington up on the screen. So, Bolton. Well, welcome from Bolton, Karen. <laughs> exactly. Now, How are you? I'm sure you've probably answered this question before, and I'm just not sure what to do. I have uh, two rhubarb patches that are doing well, but I thought, when can I transplant them? I wanted to give some to my daughter. When would be a good time here to do that? Hmm. You could transplant now if she wants to get some in the ground now for some a bit of harvest next year. She won't be able to harvest a ton next year, but, you know, one or two leaves, no problem. Uh, or you could wait till spring. If you're going to transplant now, you're going to find it's easier to transplant by cutting the leaves off so you can really see what you're doing. Because it's similar to a hosta, right? Yeah. Uh, rhubarb grows uh, in little clumps, little, uh, you know, rosettes, if you will. So each of where, where each of those plants are, you can sever and separate and have more plants. So, you know, a Take the leaves down, uh, digging fork, moist soil, dig up the whole big clump, sever with a sharp knife if necessary, and then disperse, you know, give her a couple plants and maybe transplant in your own garden as well. Can, can I do it? You said I can do it now or I can do it in the spring, correct? Yes, either whatever works better for you. The spring is easy because you can see what's going on as bef- at before the leaves emerge. Okay. So that's why spring is so simple, but your daughter won't get any harvest if you wait till spring. So if you want to get if she wants to get some now and get it in the ground now, you could do the transplanting now, but like I said you'll have to cut off leaves to do it. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Yeah, okay, thanks Karen. Okay, going to go immediately over to Scarborough. We have Esther on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Esther. Morning. Welcome to the Garden Show, Esther. Yeah, hi. Hello. Hello. Hello, Charlie. I love your show. Thank you. Uh, I am a senior, uh, 84 years old, and I just went through brain surgery, so I'm having, like, um, you know, bad days. But I mm. have a patch of yucca. Mm-hmm. And I would like you to tell me how to, it's very robust this year, um, lots of uh, growth, but um, I don't know how to care for it, Charlie. So this is yucca out in the garden, obviously. Yes, it's in a nice spot. Like It gets quite a bit of sun all morning um, mm-hmm. until about afternoon, and then you get the shade. So it's, there's no problem with the sun. Right. So that's good. It may sounds happy. Um, okay, so you have two options. One is you can just let it do its thing so that you started with one plant. And, of course, over the years, you've got more and more plants. Uh, so it becomes quite a patch, oh, like you said. Of- it's, a, it's a yam I got, something like a yam, when I got that plant. Uh-huh. And I planted it, and it took a while. But then I got, like, the growth. Mm-hmm. That's how right. you, you um, have to, uh, like, if you want to give some to a neighbor. You have Yuck, to give it's, yams? It, it or? is. 
it is a bit tough to transplant. Yucca has a tap root. So uh, for your purposes, no, or I wouldn't do it yourself. I would I get the neighbor to come with a shovel. And what they'd have to do, and again, it's you, you, it's a severing one of the daughter plants or two or whatever away from the main uh, crop that you've got going on there. Because uh-huh. that's how they grow. The, the mother plant births daughters uh, that are attached to the mother so that's why they're all clumped together so close like that but they they can be separated by severing them and digging but it's getting enough root attached to what they're taking that's the trick okay and what type of fertilizer should i give it um they're they really don't need a lot of fertilizer but i would use an all-purpose so that would be a 10 10 10 pardon triple mix Oh, triple mix is always good for top dressing our gardens. Absolutely, yes. Every year, half an inch. Okay, Charlie. So I can I can transplant some now, right? You could. Yep. Okay, love. Thank you so much. Thanks okay. for calling. Yeah. Thanks, Esther. Yeah. Yes. T- tis the uh, tis the transplanting season, is it not? This is the transplanting and planting season, as you say, and uh, oh. and pruning. Am I correct? Absolutely. Pruning, transplanting. Well, not, oh, you know what? Pruning, uh, depending, right? We never prune everything on the same day. So right now we are always deadheading. So if you've got black-eyed Susans that are finished flowering, they're all a little brown and crispy, you can deadhead and get more flowers, or you can leave those brown, crispy flowers because the finches and the birds love the seeds. But then again, those seeds can disperse and then come up everywhere in the neighborhood. So sometimes we deadhead just to avoid the plant taking over, uh, or sometimes we deadhead for beauty, and sometimes we don't deadhead because we want to feed the, the little animals. Gotcha. Okay, I'm going to give those numbers out again before we go to our next break. Uh, in Toronto, 416-360-0740 or toll-free anywhere else in the province of Ontario, one 740 We'll be right back with much more here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, we are back here on The Garden Show, and we've got lots of callers on the line. Let's go to uh, Jean in Newmarket, Ontario. Welcome to The Garden Show, Jean. Thank you. Good morning, Charlie. How does my husband split a dahlia? Please. Oh, well, it's a good, I'm just, I'm not sure whether you would split it now or in the spring. So, uh, okay. Number one, is this a dahlia you've had for years and years and he keeps putting it out and it just gets bigger and bigger? Right. Now he's bragging rights and he wants to trade with somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> if I, just trying to think what I would do. I think, I mean, he's going to dig it. Once we have a hard frost, all the leaves will shrivel up and turn black, and it's at that point that we dig up the tuber. So yeah. when he digs it up, of course, it's all covered in dirt, so we let it kind of dry down a bit. He could split it then, or he could wait until spring. Um, I'm trying to think when would be the best time. I would uh, I would double-check. I'm going to double-check just to find out when's the best time, because when you do – a split a dahlia. It's like a potato, right? It's got all the little eyes, and wherever there's an eye, you will get uh, stems. So, any one dahlia tuber can always be split into multi tubers. 
But because we use a sharp knife to do it and we are going to be exposing that tissue to potential infection, you know, fungal disease, et cetera, it might be better to do that splitting in the spring. But I'm going to have to just double check. Thank you okay? very much. And if you yeah, keep listening, you can report back to your husband and I'll uh, in the next break see if I can get the answer to that, the definitive answer. Uh, Jean, Thank I have a question for you. For kindness. Mm-hmm. What, what, what is your husband's name? Tim. And Jim, will you tell you can tell Jim that he doesn't farmer. have to be afraid of Charlie Dobbin. He can pick up the phone and call it too. <laughs> oh well, no, uh, well, that's another story. What can I say? <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> well, we'll we'll get the answer out to Jim then. There you go. Super. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Thank Jim. you. Okay, Debbie. We're going to talk to Debbie in Etobicoke. How are things in Etobicoke there, Debbie? Wonderful. Having a great morning here, and uh, good morning, Charlie, and everyone at AM740. Good morning. I have a question, and I was saying, who's going to answer this question? And I thought, Charlie can. So here goes. I have an area in the front of my house facing south, and in the fall, I planted about 150 tulips. And it was a wonderful, beautiful show in the spring. In the uh, springtime summer I waited for the tulips to die and I put in annual salvias so I buy them from uh, Loblaws President's Choice Gigantica salvias and they have a beautiful show all summer mm. this year they're dwarf in, si- in size and I'm wondering if it's because of the tulips so they're dwarf in size in the sense that they're shorter than they've been they're in the shorter. past? They, they made a magnificent show. They filled out. They attracted um, bees. It was just beautiful. And and this show has been going on for a couple of years with the salvia. But I planted the tulips, and now this time around, they're, they're not growing well at all. And I'm mm. wondering if that is the reason, the tulips below. It could be. There could be competition going on there. Uh, The tulips, once they're dormant, they are dormant. So they're not using nutrient once the leaves have disappeared and the tulips have gone dormant below ground. The one trick when we we do plant annual flowers over top of um, bulbs like daffodils and tulips, Uh we have to give consistent water and nutrient to the annuals in order to have them really sh- do a great show. Okay. And there is a chance that, that all that moisture and nutrient will affect the tulips in the sense that the tulips can end up rotting below ground if there's oh. too much moisture. Okay. Um, but I wouldn't be overly concerned. It's probably just a case of, the, you know, the, it's much more crowded underground now. The salvia yeah. didn't have anywhere or as much space to grow the roots. So right. you didn't get as much uh, top growth if right. you don't have the below growth. Yeah. So maybe ne- yeah. next year when you do it, just uh, get, make sure you're doing some top dressing with either composted manure or triple mix, you know, something with some good organic okay, material that will support okay. both the bulbs and the, the annuals. Yeah, it was a very hot summer. We didn't get a lot of rain, so I, I did water quite a bit. But as I said, it wasn't showy this year. So I will do what you just told me. Next year I'm yeah. going to put some good compost and, and nutrients. 
Exactly. And and remember as well, when it gets really hot, and it was a very hot summer, when it gets really hot, nothing grows. Like everything okay. just shuts down. Just like when it gets really cold, right. everything shuts down and just right. goes into a, a, you know, a state of dormancy, you know, even right. if it's a temporary dormancy. When it gets really hot, that's what happens. Everything just okay. stops, whether it's our lawns, our flowers, our trees. Right. Uh, right. It waits until things cool off. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Charlie. Thank You're very you. welcome. Thanks for calling. Day. Okay, no, let's uh, let's go to the other side of Hamilton, to the little town of Jarvis. We have Jenny on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jenny. Hi. Hi. Um, I've got a hydrangea question. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a few uh, pots of hydrangeas I've had for quite a few years, and they've done really well this year. I was just wondering, is there any way to tell if they are perennial ones or if I need to keep them in the pots? They were originally given you know, in a pot as a a bloomer. And was it like a Mother's Day or Easter present? Yeah, something like that. Okay, so that's a good question, actually. The hydrangeas that are that you receive in pots, usually they're six or eight inch pots around Mother's Day, and they're beautiful. They're pink, they're blue, they're purple. Yeah, yeah. Um, lovely, lovely plants. They are what we call florist hydrangeas. They are grown in greenhouses. Yeah. So will they survive the winter? You don't know until you try. <laughs> they oh, will okay. not survive in your house, uh, or but, it would but, but be hard are. to These really like keep three, them beautiful. Pardon? These are like three or four years old. And But you've had them in the pot all that time? Yes. Sorry, are they still in pots now? Yes, they're still in pots. Yeah. So well, And so you've been taking them in in the winter and taking them outside all this in the summer, right? Yeah. Right. So you can continue to do that if that's working. If you plant them outside, take them out of the pot, put them in the ground, give them a nice, good organic soil, make sure that they're getting some sun, some shade, lots of moisture. They ought, It depends what kind of winter we have. They may survive. Uh-huh. I have had them survive the winter for one or two winters, but then eventually they peter out and die. Okay. So if you want to keep them going, I'd keep them in the pot or try them in the ground and run the risk that ultimately you will lose them. Okay. Okay. So there's no way of really telling which kind they are. No, but they generally, if they yeah. they are what we call florist hydrangea. They are uh, yeah. they are hydrangeas. It's just a question oh, yeah. of how hardy they yeah, are. Yeah, so they're probably they're not super hardy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and um, concerning this dahlia question, mm. I used to have hundreds of dahlias, and I would just dig it out, wash all their dirt off, and then just split them all up with my hands so that I had a whole bunch of little tubers. And in yeah. the spring, I would just plant the ones that had eyes on them. Oh, there you go. And and how would you keep them over the winter after you I had broken them, them all up? Plastic pails with you know, I left the pails open. <laughs> I would lose some, a few, but yeah. I mean, because yeah. it has so many, it really didn't matter. Right, right. Okay, good. There you go. Well, Jean, I'm sure is still on listening. So thanks for that. Good tip. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank okay. You, thanks so much, Jenny. Okay, Charlie. We have to go to our next break, uh, but we will be right back with much more right here on the Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, we are back here on The Garden Show. I'm Dean Holland and Charlie, that gentleman was just singing about all sorts of flowers including 
the dahlias, and you have something to say about them. Yeah, well, I just wanted to go back uh, to Jean, who I think is probably still listening, and thanks again, Jenny. Jenny said she just, in the fall, would dig up her dahlias, she would wash them, and then break them apart, uh, and then overwinter them in, you know, in a frost-free location. There's tons of stuff on the internet here. Uh, Of course, it is indicating that you can split in now when you dig just like uh, jenny does or you can wait till spring in the spring the eyes are more obvious and um it's dahlia tubers are almost like fingers the you know the stem of course is above ground but what's below ground are the is a clump of little fingers uh down sort of pointing downwards so once we dig up the plant after the first frost there we've got all that that uh, material to work with so any one plant now this the other thing is make sure you're keeping track of your your names don't get confused because once they're uh, out of the ground and frost has dropped them and you're digging they all look the same so if you want to keep you know make sure you're keeping track of who's who do your digging uh keeping track of which one is which and yes split I, I would cut them rather than breaking them because a clean cut will always heal better than a, a ragged cut. And then, yes, and Jean, get your husband out there at the end of the driveway with uh, dahlia tubers for sale. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good to me. It sounds like I maybe want one of his dahlias. Oh, yeah. They're pretty beautiful. Okay. Here, uh, we have one last caller on the line. Let's go to Elizabeth, who's been patiently waiting. Uh, Elizabeth is in Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Elizabeth. Okay, thank you. Uh, I have a, a very old uh, hibiscus, but it's a double flower, so it's very beautiful, but it's looking very straggly. And I wondered, when can I, when's the best time to take cuttings and uh, sort of to try to make a new, uh, some new plants? Mm-hmm. And it's a tropical hibiscus we're talking about, in a pot. Uh, yes, it's in a pot. Yeah. Is it outside or inside? It's, it's outside in the, in the summer, and I bring it in in the winter. Right. Best time to take cuttings is when we have new growth. Uh, So you'd have to tell me, if you looked at that hibiscus right now, would the tips of the branches be soft and green and pliable, or would they be woody and shrub-like? Well, the the, tops, because there's there's sort of a bud uh, on the tops of the the new growth, so it's blooming now, and there's Mm -hmm. quite a few uh, shoots with buds on them, and so I sort of wondered if after that flower comes out, if uh, if I could take that cutting and uh, put it in uh, um, rooting compound and then stick mm-hmm. it in some fresh uh, potting soil, if I might get some new plants. Yes, you could, and I hear you. The last thing you want to do is start taking cuttings now because it's just going to burst into bloom, yeah. and and we don't have good success growing roots from cuttings if there are flowers or flower buds left on the cuttings. I see. So what I would do is I would enjoy, as you say, enjoy the flowers that are coming. Before frost, of course, you'll clean the plant up and bring it in. Yes. You... Uh, you're not. It, you can take cuttings in September, October, but it's going to take a very long time to get roots. Okay. Um, that's the time. The light levels are dropping. The plant is slowing down. It is a very slow process to initiate root growth in the fall or early winter. So if, if you can, I would just enjoy the plant as it is in the house until February and come February, March, when it all starts to grow, which it, yes. it will yes. as the days get longer that's when you as soon as you've got about four inches five inches of fresh new growth 
those are your cuttings right there. It's that nice, soft, green, what we call softwood that you'll be cutting off, removing the lower leaves and getting them into, like you said, rooting hormone and even just a jar of water and you'll get roots very quickly at that time of year. You're saying you can dip the the, um, the cutting into uh, the rooting compound and put it in water? Yep, hibiscus in, in the spring will root in water quite easily. Oh, okay. And then when, when they've got little roots, then you put them into the uh, potting soil. soil. Exactly. And remember, the roots come from the bumps where the leaves were. So you've got to make sure that you your, your cutting is at least four to six inches long, and you've got at least two nodes or bumps under oh. the water for the roots to come from. Where okay. they'll come from. Well, thank you very much. It, it's, it's, You're very... I, I don't very often see, I, I look at in the stores and you just don't see the double ones. I mean, this flower is just beautiful. Yeah. But, what what color know, is it? I've got other ones that are just, and I mean, I've got one that I picked up. That the, the flower is probably eight inches across, but it's just single. And yeah, right. What color is, is your double? It's red. Oh, yeah. Nice. They're very, yeah. uh, they're very showy. It's very, very old. I, I got a, a cutting from, uh, you know, a, a relative uh, 100 years ago, it seems. <laughs> I managed to Good. keep it. <laughs> so, yeah, nice. I, keep it alive. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Bye-bye. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for the call, call Elizabeth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Charlie, quick question uh, from my yes. end about tomatoes. Yeah. I said, so I'm notorious for planting my tomatoes late. I just, <laughs> just like I have great, you know, I have lofty goals and then I don't get them in the ground early enough. And then for Father's Day, my kids all bought me a bunch of tomato plants. So I've got lots of tomatoes, but most of them are green. Should I keep them on the vine at this point? They're a good size or am I better to windowsill? What should I do? Oh, no, don't uh, leave them on the, on the plants unless there's frost in the forecast or three degrees or lower. Then you're going to have to pick them green. But for now, leave them. Uh, okay. ma- uh, make sure they're not – at this time of year, I often remove leaves because by getting some leaves off the plant, the sun will get in better and you'll get the red faster as well. Okay, so in re- getting rid of leaves, should I just pinch leaves off or ch- cut off stems? Yeah. Cut. Oh, yeah, just cut the leaves that are shading the green okay. tomatoes. Fabulous. All right. Okay. Good. Good. Thanks. That's a good question. Uh, just a quick aside, everybody who remembers my my ex co-host Frank Proctor. I uh, just want to let everybody know he's doing really well. I spoke with him last week, and him and Shirley have just been lolling around in the swimming pool all summer. So they've had a <laughs> they've had a great hot summer at their cabin. And he says hi to everybody. And uh, thank you, Dean. Thanks for being here and being my my best pal. Thanks, my Carlos. Pleasure couldn't do any of this without Carlos and all the great callers. See y'all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.